0: This is a Baby Brunch podcast. Baby Brunch, the parenting series, is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. With FedHealth, you create your perfect medical aid. From the benefits you want to how and how much you pay. Visit fedhealth.co.za and switch to FedHealth now. FedHealth, create your aid. Knock, knock. Who's there?
1: Who's there? Uh, Two pediatricians. the joke ends because here's the thing if I know I have access to two pediatricians in one practice how did you meet so we
2: we started together. Post post together. together
1: well two for the price of one for sure Prashani and Yashna it is really really great having you as part of baby brunch and I mean you know the background but we wanted to talk about food and sleep it rings true for for adults I mean When we want to sleep well, there's certain things that we avoid. Uh, Too much wine will have you wake up in the night. And so if you have a balanced diet and you go to bed, you'll sleep better. Is it the same for children? I mean, how can we get our kids to get this better holistic eating habits, lifestyles with great food so that they can sleep well and wake up refreshed every mother's dream?
2: (laughs) So I think basically, To introduce them to a good, good, healthy, balanced diet, you you have to be the one doing it. So you are, you know, they can choose what they want to eat, but you provide what's there. So if you just keep it balanced and healthy and a variety of new foods, then that's all they'll know. And then they will choose eventually from that.
0: This podcast is supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. The range of Epimax Baby and Junior Gentle All-Purpose emollients Moisturizers is an all-day, everyday favorite for babies and children. Give your child a good start to everyday by nourishing and protecting their skin with Epimax.
1: Is there a definite link? Is there a definite link to a healthy diet in children and them sleeping really well through the night?
3: So, currently, there's no evidence about food and sleep. But what we do know is that sleep's a neurological milestone, that sleep becomes a conscious choice from about four months, and that this is the reason why you've got to sleep train your child and set the scene or environment for sleep. You know, darken the room, um, you know, we do bath bath and then, you know, straight to bed. Um, You sort of wind down for the day. Um, that said, good food choices again, closer to bedtime would be important because you don't want to have food choices that are high in carbohydrate, um, or sugar, or, sugar or um, you know, unhealthy choices because the, that's not winding down your metabolic system or your, your body's glucose metabolism or sugar metabolism system. That's going to make a child want to stay up. So although there's no scientific link, um, logically, um, one would avoid all the sugary, and healthy and um, even carbonated, carbonated fluids, carbonated, yeah. and, and and high 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 fluid um, intake closest to sleep time, because you want to set the sli- scene to train your child to sleep so that they wake up refreshed and start their day well every morning.
1: There was a big emphasis for a while on protein, protein, protein at bedtime. And at the time, I had one vegetarian who was two years old and refused to eat meat at the time. And then there was the other one that loved it so much that I think she didn't sleep because she was just too full. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, if you had to practically give us three things that are good for children to help them sleep and. Feel full and satisfied without the idea of a bribe with a sugary treat for bath time. Uh, which I've, of course, never done, um, or um, the carbon, the carbohydrate option, what would it be? I mean, what would you literally give uh, a three or four-year-old? What would you give your child before bedtime?
2: But again, I think it, it takes it back to balance. So, you know, a little bit of each thing. So some protein, but definitely vegetable and even some carbohydrate to keep them a little bit full, especially through that initial sleep period. Just, but again, bringing it back to a balanced meal yeah, at and, all times,
3: and and you could choose the low glycemic index carbohydrate mm-hmm. foods, which would keep the child fuller for longer and then sleep better, and that with a bit of protein mm-hmm. and fat would really help also feed the muscles and the brain cells and just you know encourage
1: growth. Mm-hmm. You you are both moms, right? And I remember there was a big debate in in our own home still. Uh, when to give dinner and then when to give milky. Uh, milky too close to bedtime, then we need to make sure that we brush teeth. Milk too close to bedtime, uh, too close to dinner time, makes that they don't want to eat the food and they want milky instead. I mean, in your own homes, what did you do with with small kids? Do you give them the meal first and then wait a little bit and then milky? Um, is it a bribe to get them to bedtime? Um, it's not good for their teeth because I'm in that situation now where my youngest, you know, we've got to do a little bit more maintenance on the teeth because of sugary milky.
2: But I think it's also age dependent. So before the first year, then milk is the most important. So you should have milk, a milk feed. And then after that, definitely food, food first. Yeah. And then after that, you can get a milk bottle.
3: Yeah, and after a year, also they've got more teeth, so you've got to teach them teach them good dental hygiene and good, and that's part of winding down to sleep, Mm. brushing your teeth. So supper at least thirty minutes before milk, before before a a milk bottle, and then you know milk, and then you've got to brush, sleep, and prepare for bed because everything's about repetition. If you repeat and keep routine, they learn the routine you teach them.
2: And then they can predict what's going to happen. So they're comfortable and happier at those times of days.
1: Have you, have you had, I mean, you're in a practice, right? So surely there's mommies and daddies and, and partners and people that come in and we get it all wrong, right? <laughs> what's, the, what's the worst mistake we can make? I mean, how bad can it get?
3: I don't think you can make a mistake yeah. as a parent because every child's different. Every family's every different. Family is different. Every mom's different. Every dad's different. Everybody arrives from work at different yeah. times. Everyone's lifestyle's different. So at the end of the day, I think you've got to choose what works for your family and your lifestyle. Um, because if you say bedtime's at seven, but if you're a mom who only arrives home at half past seven, you will not see your children ever. So I I think one has to really flex according to your family and your child's needs and your family's needs. I don't think there's any right or wrong. There's definitely things we try and avoid, but you can keep the routine, but move the time frame. So even like I think that's the
2: important, the take-home message is, is try and form some sort of routine. Whatever it is and however it is that suits your family is perfect as long as there's something that they know what's happening. Some sort of routine. Structure,
3: yeah. I
1: love that. I can use <laughs> that in my own life. This is like a this is like a metaphor for life. Never mind our children and eating and sleeping. <laughs> it is is picky eating bad? Like, is it if you put a tray in front of them with every possible food, which is what I do, I mean it, it looks like they're in some five-star hotel with their little meze platters, from strawberries to carrots to a little bit of protein, they call it flacey. And you know, and then when I get back, of the five things they've eaten, two is is picky or fussy eat. Is that fussy eating, or can we just let it go?
3: So, what is fussy eating? Because don't children have palates and choices too? I mean, unless they're only eating meat, or they're only eating cheese, or they're only eating one food type. But children are responsive feeders, so and and often when you're introducing foods, you may have to introduce it, the same food group up to 15 to 20 times before they actually develop a taste or a palate for it. So, one, you need to actually give balance. You need to give them um, all different types of food, all different types of choices, textures, um, different tastes also, types of cuisine, because perhaps this child does not enjoy carried meat but likes pickled fish who knows um oh no they love
1: curry that's no issue it's all the other <laughs> stuff okay we're eating curry for dinner so I hope you come hungry but I, I hear what you're saying that the structure and routine I also love your comment on on picky and fussy eating you know on my plates I'm not going to eat everything or even the whole plate there's some things that aren't more than others and it's so weird that we expect this from our children right like you must eat all of it or oh she didn't eat all her food whereas it's not something that you expect from self right
2: Yes, but also labeling them. So we always say, oh, don't label us or don't label, you know, what we do. But we're putting this label onto them. So take that label away. Picky eating, fussy eaters, it just shouldn't be a thing. Your child will eat what something of what you give them, and that's good enough.
3: And also, I think a lot of picky and fussing eating uh, feeds from parental anxiety. Because if you've got an anxious parent who is constantly forcing their child to eat, then you're going to get a reactive child who doesn't want to eat. Sometimes if you just leave it down and walk away and turn around, your child's exploring the food because they're not pressured to. Because we wouldn't like to sit at a dinner table and go, eat your food. (laughs) Eat the chicken. Eat the chicken. Eat the chicken.
1: (laughs) It is amazing what you are saying about our own habits and anxiety, and how it you know can be carried over to our children you're right what what are some suggestions? I mean, give some suggestions to introducing baby to to solids, so we're not gonna sit there and go, Must eat, yeah, you know, have but what's the one thing that you give mom's advice to in your practice uh around introducing solids? There's so many commentaries, you know, some say the baby is not sleeping, introduce porridge earlier. Uh, others say start with fruit first. There's many books written on this, and I'm sure it's a podcast on its own, which we will definitely be contacting you on. But if you can give one nugget to, to moms and dads watching and listening to, to this video and podcast, what would it be to introducing solids? What should we keep in mind? So
2: again, I think before the age of one, milk is still the most important part that's needed for their growth and development. So everything that you're gonna do with solids from there is basically for fun, to introduce them to textures, color, taste, smell. And that's it, it's an introduction to solids. And again, choose the happiest time of day. So nobody says you have to start with breakfast and it has to be rice cereal. Choose the happiest time of day. If you have a grumpy morning baby, he is not going to be interested in any breakfast. So, choose their happy time and introduce it in a happy manner with positive, positive sort of role model yeah. modeling about food to them
3: and it'll it'll be easier and also a child needs to be developmentally appropriate and ready mm. for that introduction, so they need to be um, having head control um one needs to be think about the timing of the intervention in terms of. Developmentally, yes, but also timing of the day. Are you relaxed yourself? Mm -hmm. Do you have the time to prepare that meal um, for the chosen time? Um, And that when you're introducing solids again, a child may not tolerate a food group on the first exposure, perhaps not on the second and the third, and you just go on persevering because you are palate training. The other thing is that um, you need to use the window of opportunity between four and seven months to actually introduce all the allergenic food groups, because there's evidence that shows that um, researchers show that you develop you are less likely to develop long-term food allergies if you have if you use this window of opportunity to introduce the allergens and if an allergen is actually tolerated, for example, if you've introduced some peanut butter or some egg and your child has no reaction to it, you should continue then to add it to their diet on a recurring basis.
1: See, but by the means and the way that you explain this, I can tell both your passions. So Uh, Dr. Yajna, she's pediatrics, child health, and definitely neurodevelopment. So you can see that she's talking about our brains and our feelings. And Dr. Prashani, she is a pediatrician, passionate about parents and children. I think they're both just passionate about life and our children. And I want to thank you so much for being part of today. But this wouldn't be a video or podcast if I didn't give you just one curveball. Just one, okay? So I found an article online from a really credible uh, news Uh, platform. And it says children who have become fussy eaters could be displaying a post COVID smell and taste disorder. Children who have become fussy eaters could be displaying a post COVID smell and taste disorder. Is this true or not? They say that the symptom where we experience um, no smell uh, or distortions uh, in adults, uh, they reckon that it could occur in our children as well. Is this true?
2: not research based that we've seen. So I think in terms of COVID in children, there's so much that we don't know and we don't know how it's going to develop later on in their lives. So at this stage, it's, there's no evidence to say that such a thing is, is true.
3: And I think also with the different variants, um, the clinical um, the picture is changing. So I think we've got a lot to learn. It's an open space that's very um open to research at the moment but we're getting there in terms of paediatric and extrapolating data from Mm. adults but we can't just directly uh, you know extrapolate data and say this is applicable to children
1: lastly doctors what's for dinner (laughs) dry macaroni
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm into curries and rotis so (laughs) i'm
1: coming to your house okay (laughs)
0: This podcast was supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Epimax Baby and Junior is dermatologist approved, free of artificial colorants and fragrances, and is safe to use from birth. Touch, nourish, love your child's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior. Available from leading pharmacies and retail stores. Baby Brunch, the parenting series, is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. With FedHealth, you create your perfect medical aid. From the benefits you want to how and how much you pay. Visit fedhealth.co.za and switch to FedHealth now. FedHealth. Create your aid.